This summer in Kansas has seen continuing debate and discussion over the rights of transgender students. Not coincidentally, of course, it's also campaign season. My name is Clay Wirestone. I'm the opinion editor here at the Kansas Reflector, and this is the Kansas Reflector podcast. Joining me today to discuss all the latest are new Reflector reporter, Rachel Mepro. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Clay. Great to be here. Uh, joined by D.C. Hegert, who's the LGBTQ plus legal fellow at the ACLU of Kansas. Hi, D.C. Hi, Clay. Great to be here as well. And rounding out our group, Brendan Riffle, who is a Reflector columnist and KU grad student. Hi, Brendan. Hi. So let's, first of all, uh, Rachel and D.C., talk a little bit about some recent events in the Gardner-Edgerton school district. So, Rachel, sketch the scene for us. What, what was going on out there? So we've been seeing some pretty interesting things on this front. Basically, for the past few months, I think starting since July, really, we've seen a lot of discussion about a potential proposed transgender student policy. Um, from what we've heard, many people, many activists have said this could be really damaging towards students. And legal fellow DC here can take it away with um, what sort of legal rights they'd be violating if this policy went through. Yeah, so I will just note that Rachel, as Rachel said, you know, this has been an ongoing discussion in the school district since July. Um, and a school board member introduced um, a very egregious, harmful, and discriminatory policy um, at the July board meeting. But that policy has since been revised. Um, and that revised policy was recently debated uh, Monday night of this week. And so that policy, while they removed a good amount of the most egregious aspects of the initial July policy, uh, it still included a lot of really concerning uh, language around restroom and facility use, around students' right to use their name and pronouns and have you know confidentiality around their trans identity at school. Um, and so... The ACLU of Kansas was concerned that they were going to be adopting um, a discriminatory policy, but also a policy that is harmful um, and risks the safety of the trans students in the district. Yeah, and, and D.C., just to, just to be clear, the original version of this policy was, I mean, it included some pretty remarkably problematic things. Oh yes. So the original version of this policy, just you know, some of the some of the worst provisions that you know we were really concerned about, uh, it seemed to imply that students in the school district, even if they got their gender marker changed, uh, you know, legally on their birth certificate, which is like something the state allows in Kansas for all trans folks to to access, the school district still wouldn't recognize even an amended birth certificate. Um, so. That was a big a big problem, and, and there were other issues in that policy that um, were going to be not only Title IX violations of students' rights, but also Title VII violations of employees' rights in the district because the original policy uh, didn't allow even, like, if there was a trans uh, social worker in the district or a trans teacher, it included them in the policy, and so that teacher wouldn't have been able to use their own name or pronouns at school if they didn't use the, the, the name that they were given at birth or the pronouns that were uh, related to their sex assigned at birth. So there were some big problems with that initial policy that were revised out, but 
the the policy as is right now still still has some big issues. And and Rachel, just to to bring us up to date here too, like the school district did not actually formally adopt any policy at its most recent meeting, correct? No, I've been speaking to school officials about this, and it's honestly very unclear if or if they're ever going to do this kind of thing. Um, I've been asking for like a time frame to see if they're going to do the vote ever. Um, again, we have no time frame for any of this. We're not sure if we will ever have a vote on this issue, basically. Um, and. Rachel, just because you were also kind of watching these meetings, writing about them, what was what would you say the debate was like, the tone was like? What 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 was the vibe there? Well, it's pretty interesting because I think we saw from students, like the ones that have spoken at that meeting, they were pretty firmly against it from what I could tell. Um, I think we're seeing like a lot of parents reacting to this. Um, a couple of other issues were also brought up along those lines, but Again, I would say that at the school itself, from what I've been seeing, the students are pretty against this transgender policy. But DC was at the actual event. Um, do you have anything to add about that? Um, yeah, so I was at the school board meeting that evening um, because we provided testimony um, speaking out against the policy from the ACLU of Kansas. Um, and I did just take kind of my own statistics of who was there speaking for and against the policy. And there was more more people there uh, from the community and members of the school district that were speaking out in opposition to the policy, you know, that were there saying that the, at least the two students I took note of, the, the, the only two students that I saw speak at that meeting were, you know, very against the policy. And they essentially were kind of saying you know, to the school board, you haven't been in, in the schools, you know, for at least 20 years and you don't understand what it's like for us. And really what you're doing is making it harder for us to be in school, harder for us to support our LGBTQ friends. And so it, it kind of got, you know, from how I took away from that meeting was the same, same thing that you said, Rachel. It seemed like maybe there was some fear-mongering going on around, uh, you know, a couple loud voices uh, or a couple parents in the community, but it didn't seem like the students and the teachers and the staff in the district um, were, were trying to be discriminatory. It seemed like they wanted to, you know, adopt an inclusive policy and, and get on with the school year. It sounded like the district had some other issues that they wanted to, to deal with that were actual, you know, actual problems in the district and not sort of this made up, uh, let's target fear. a few kids. You know? Yes, exactly. Targeting the, the handful of kids that in the district that this policy is going to impact. And one more thing about that. Do you remember, um, that one letter from a teacher who wanted to remain unknown? Mm -hmm. It was a, that I thought was very interesting. Basically the letter was from a teacher who was saying that, um, I believe it was a she, but I'm not entirely sure. She was saying that basically she had one case in which um, a student requested to use new pronouns and a preferred name, and she was going to reach out for, to the parents about it. But she was blocked by school admin from doing that. She was saying that that's an issue and that parents should have the right to know what their child's preferred pronouns and name is. What do you think of that? Because I think that's been a fairly big roadblock in the new policy as well. Yeah, so um, as far as the specific provisions of the revised policy that talk about students' ability to use the name and pronouns that they choose, um, the new policy, you know, 
I will note that it was much improved from the initial policy and in that it did at least allow for trans students, if they have affirming parents or guardians, to then get permission to use their name and pronouns at school, where the initial policy banned that from ever being an option. But I do want to note that the way the revised policy is written is still a big problem because the default language of that policy is outing trans kids to their parents or guardians. Um, it has a caveat that on a case-by-case -case basis, the school district's attorney may find that the school district should not notify the parents. Um, but, you know, in, in my view, that isn't, isn't the, the safest way to have a policy written because there's, there's no proper guidelines embedded for what to do if a student comes out at school because they feel safe maybe with a counselor or a social worker, but they don't feel safe at their home environment telling their family that information. And that's the big concern we have because we know like that can lead to, you know, uh -huh. queer and trans kids getting abused at home or, or increased rates of homelessness. We know like, I think it's about 40% of homeless youth are LGBTQ plus. Um, and it's, it's things like this that lead to those statistics, you know? And how also do you set that parameter for an attorney to make that? Is that a kid being willing to say my parents aren't supportive? Because I'll be honest, there's a lot of kids that won't even say that because if they are school districts that goes goes back to the parents says your kids said they were afraid to talk to us, that could put them in more trouble. So a lot of kids don't actually come out and say, "Hey, home's not supportive." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Brenda and I was I was going to to ask you because you, uh, you've written for the Reflector now a, a couple of times and we've written about you a couple of times <laughs> just about the. Um, I mean, just kind of the broader perspective on this in terms of, you know, what kids in an environment like this are actually going through. Like, what's it at stake for them? I mean, it's everything. Um, and I think that we, we ran a piece earlier this week that was very powerful. The teacher that stood up and said, this, this could be an end. Um, and when we have policies like this, this could, this, is, this could and this will lead to more, one, mental health issues, but also... Um, suicides um, for trans kids. Um, to kind of piggyback off of that, I was speaking with one trans former student that attended school there, and um, they were saying that their time at the school was, quite frankly, a little scary for them, you know, very homophobic. Um, they experienced some bullying. Um, do, you do you think this would make this worse, obviously? Like, would this policy affect it? Fine far, yes. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't... doesn't that's not just um, what's the word? that's not just for Gardner Edgerton. Mm -hmm. That's any school district that this happens in too. Mm -hmm. um, and I do just kind of want to add while we're talking about the harms of adopting these policies that also, you know, there's harms that are happening right now. Even though Gardner Edgerton hasn't officially adopted maybe a discriminatory mm -hmm. policy, the research bears out that even when communities discuss anti-trans policies, when they're introduced, when they're debated and talked about in the community, whether that's at a school board, whether that's at the legislature level, you know, these policies already are impacting the mental health of trans and queer kids in the community, even when this, they, they aren't adopted. So I think it's really important, you know, the harms are happening now uh, and, and that we understand that and that districts across the state understand that. Well, and I mean, I'll just uh, add some incredibly what what seems like ancient history now, but even even from my my own life um, as a as a gay married man, which is you know when gay marriage became 
a campaign issue in 2004. Like this was something that was used as a cornerstone of George W. Bush's reelection campaign. And, you know, my, my now husband and myself, you know, I don't think we thought about it at the time as being something that was actively harmful to us. And yet it is very, it's profoundly uncomfortable, even if you, you know, as we were, we had jobs, we were independent, all of those things, to actually have kind of your position in society as a matter of public debate. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult and uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and that's know, a best case scenario, really. In some, well, I think that might be, even be the point of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the outcome of whatever the conversation is, but to send that message because the conversation even exists. Mm-hmm. Now, DC, when we were talking a little bit earlier here, you had you'd said that this is not something uh, that is confined to Gardner Edgerton. That you're hearing other reports around the state, so. We know that you can't go into specifics necessarily, but what's the temperature out there like? Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, with the onset of a new school year, and as we said at the the beginning of this podcast, also at the same time that we're coming up on elections, I think uh, we're going to just naturally see some politicization around certain issues in school boards. That kind of happens all the time. And, you know, unfortunately for trans students, they are the narrative of choice right now. Um, So there are definitely um, other uh, areas of concern across the state with uh, trans students' rights in their their public school districts. And, uh, you know, the ACLU is concerned about this for sure we've got we've got an eye on what's happening across the state um i just put out some messaging from our affiliate trying to reach just specifically trans students across the state to remind them you know what their rights are under title nine and also to remind them that they can reach out to the aclu if they think that their rights are being violated and and also dc like your position now what you're doing this is this is kind of a new role at the aclu of kansas right so can you tell us just a bit about that yeah for sure so yeah i am uh not quite a month into this position as the lgbtq plus uh legal fellow with the affiliate but what my job will be doing is for the next two years through 2024 I will be dedicated specifically to LGBTQ discrimination issues in the state. So um, whether that's looking at, you know, trans students' rights in schools under Title IX, whether that's making sure that folks aren't being discriminated against um, at their jobs or when they're seeking housing or medical care, um, that type of thing, but also just making sure that our providers and folks across the state know what LGBTQ folks' rights are and making sure that they're not violating them, they're protecting them. And um, Brennan, as a, a grad student at, at KU, mm-hmm. um, you are now kind of you know, watching a lot of these changes that are, or debates you know, that uh, DC was talking mm-hmm. about. And so I'll ask you the, the same question I asked DC. What What's the, the temperature that you kind of feel? What, is, what are your thoughts as you're watching this stuff un, unfold across the state? Yeah, I would also echo a lot of what DC has said and also um, the importance of um, knowing your rights as well for especially our students that are in K-12. through um, I have a friend who works for a school district, um, family works for a school district, and 
they're also getting messaging like this, and this is in a different district, um, though it might not even be through a formal written, we're talking about it at a school board. Um, they're being asked to take down safe space stickers or ally stickers, um, and the school district's reasoning is that it's too political. Um, however, we all know that's not that's not the case. Um, and so I, I know that it's starting to ramp up, mm -hmm. not even just on this side of the state, but also further west that you go. Well, and it's it's very difficult when uh, folks are told that their existence is political. Exactly. Yes. That's highly problematic. <laughs> or that their, you know, basic cornerstones of their lives are. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking of that, I want to turn here just a moment to the, the governor's race where earlier this month, uh, GOP gubernatorial candidate and Attorney General Derek Schmidt made an appearance with University of Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines to voice his support for a state law that would prohibit uh, transgender kids from competing in girls' and women's sports at kind of the academic and collegiate levels. And this is a, a bill that um, has been taken up a couple of times in the Kansas legislature. It has been um, adopted by the House and Senate, but vetoed for a couple of years in a row by Governor Laura Kelly. That veto has been sustained a couple of times. But um, to me, at least, and I, I wrote about this, um, I found it a very uh, distressing thing that the, the candidate did because I felt like it's, you know, putting a target on trans kids for purely political uh, reasons. Um, Brennan, I know we were talking about it a little bit mm -hmm. uh, before the podcast. Your, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think it's also highly concerning. Um, upcoming this Sunday, um, Derek Schmidt will also be hosting Ron DeSantis. Um, I know we're trying to keep this Kansas focus, so I'll do my best to oh, do no, that go, as well. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no. I mean, this is all happening at the. I mean, this leading is leading the nationwide attack on trans kids is Derek Schmidt. Uh, not not Derek Schmidt. Ron DeSantis um, and Derek Schmidt is willing to partner and use that as his tool to get the governorship. Um, and it's distressing um, and just flat out disgusting that we're using kids as political fodder. Um, mm -hmm. uh, DC yeah. or or Brennan illegal. I mean, can someone give a little bit of context on the, the Florida part of this? Do we want teachers to remain in Kansas is the number one question that comes to my mind um, because Florida is hemorrhaging teachers right now. Um, well, and they that, have the, that's, the don't, don't say gay bill. Right? Yes. That's, that's yes, one they do. We need, I should clarify mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, which it's leaving kids in a terrible position down there. Yeah. Well, but Florida is also, it's, it's my understanding, um, also attempting through its, um, like rulemaking authority in the state, attempting to restrict, uh, kids in the Medicaid program down there from accessing. They're trying um, to forcibly detransition. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Transition services. And they're aiming to also do that to adults as well. So, right. Yeah. Um, which, again, like, seems very problematic to have this all in a... In it's a, not about sports. Mm -hmm. no. I mean, I think, like, we can kind of note that just 
if we're talking kind of broad scale about what's happening and, and that this is a systematic push to remove bodily autonomy, you know, that that's coupled with what happened with Roe and the Dobbs decision that came down. And that doesn't just impact um, reproductive rights, you know, that definitely impacts trans folks ability to, um, you know, live authentically as themselves. And we're seeing that play out with these states that are trying to push medical medical bans as well. And, you know, the Kansas legislature introduced a similar bill, just didn't get as far as the the women's sports bills had. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a concern in Kansas, just like it is yeah. nationwide. And this is also where Brennan kind of enters our conversation <laughs> here. You should just, uh, just you should you should story. note note that just really quickly. Oh, just recap everything yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah. Well, not I mean not every single thing, but you could just say what happened. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll I'll use my Facebook uh, version of myself and not my Twitter self because my Twitter self is often a lot more uh, what's the word crass. Um, so, <laughs> oh, that too, that too. Um, certainly, I would say um, this all. Um, last April, I sent a letter to, um, I can't remember the name of the bill at this point. Um, the ahead. bill. The bill. Um, last April, um, got a response back from Representative Cheryl Helmer um, that was highly problematic and also was attacking uh, Representative Byers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was actually told by a friend, hey, you should probably share this. Um, and so that's kind of mm. how that went down um where my involvement kind of came in and we we learned about it at the reflector and then you became a a national story for a, that was a little while though. a hot minute I'm not gonna lie <laughs> um in the washington post and elsewhere yeah it was, it was a little while i'm glad those interviews have calmed down a little bit mm. to be honest um but so turning now i mean i think we've we've already mm kind of outlined this a little bit with um, DeSantis uh, coming to the state to rally for um, Derek Schmidt. Um, Rachel, DC, Brennan, and probably in that order. Um, what are what are you all looking at and thinking about kind of in the weeks and months to come as we continue to track these kind of problematic bills and proposals and, you know, what folks are doing? I think we're looking a lot at censorship. I've noticed a few schools now um, looking at the ALA, the American Library Association. I've been looking at the list here. Um, We are seeing a bit of an uptick here in banned books, I think. And then to go a little bit off topic here, I'm also interested in finding the actual numbers on some of these um, transgender bills and such. Like when going back to Edgerton School District here, um, basically when I asked about numbers of incidents that happened and the number of complaints they actually got about people using the wrong bathrooms, I think there are about two instance. either it was like two instance, uh, two bathroom instances complaints in like three years. And that's just such little numbers for like this kind of broad scope. So for me, I think those are the two kind of areas of concern here, like who it's going to affect, like how much that's going to damage them, and then also censorship. DC? Yeah, I think um, I do just want to note that I'm hopeful that we're not seeing more of this restroom facility provision that we saw at Gardner Edgerton, mostly because that is one area we know is settled law. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a um, 
a decision that came out of a court of appeal, a federal court of appeals case that um, the Supreme Court, it, they declined cert, which essentially just means the Supreme Court said, we're not going to review this opinion. We So it stands as is. So essentially they're like confirming what this court decided. That court has said schools cannot force trans kids to either use a bathroom based off their sex assigned at birth or a otherizing and stigmatizing like gender neutral option like that policy as written which is what we see in the Gardner revised policy right now is a violation of title IX and the u.s constitution so you know we've been seeing these bathroom debates since 2016 earlier than that and i i think we are done with them i'm hopeful they're done because the law is settled and so schools should not be inviting a chance to lose their federal funding so i think you know i am concerned like what what rachel was saying about additional other policies popping up where they're kind of you know facing off lgbtq student rights with maybe parent parental rights that type of thing and and the censorship piece and the first amendment i think we're going to see that stuff coming up and also just kind of broadly especially in a state like kansas the clash between lgbtq rights and religious freedoms i think a lot of times we see people using you know religious liberties sort of as a shield to hide behind and not have to Uh, actually uh, follow non-discrimination law. So I think those areas are, are areas that um, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on at the ACLU. Okay. Brennan, what, what are you paying attention to? Uh, certainly, like you said, the number of bills that come out, I've been keeping keeping best tabs on that as I can of paying attention to what's going on in the state. Um, also, we're going to really be looking on how can we continue to support trans kids um, and what extra efforts do we need to go to, through, um, considering we're moving this more political season where we're about to um, ramp up um, and start elections. Um, that's also going to ramp up the rhetoric um, and probably the stress um, and the abuse, honestly, um, of politicians towards trans kids um, and those conversations that how those affect them in the home. So certainly mm-hmm. need to continue looking on how to add to that support. Okay. Well, thank all of you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you to DC Hegert. Thank you to Rachel. Uh, thank you to Brennan Ripple. Thank you all for uh, taking the time to contribute to the Kansas Reflector podcast today. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you.